Good morning. Privilege to have you here in this place, and those that are watching online, a privilege to welcome, uh, welcome me into your home, and I pray that uh, God's word would be spoken and that it would be in our hearts and our minds today. Uh, we get to celebrate after my message, Holy Communion, and so if you came in and you forgot to grab the, the bread and the wine, uh, the elements uh, that we use to celebrate this meal together, raise your hands just really high. Don't be shy that you forgot them. My wife this morning said, oh, yep, I forgot them. She talks a lot to people, so uh, they'll be coming down, the hospitality team, to just give you some, uh, some of those elements as we get to celebrate uh, what Holy Communion is all about after my message, okay? So, uh, I'm a city boy, right? Brick, mortar, just city life. When I came to Michigan years ago, there's all these people wearing flannels, all these dudes. I'm like, what? It's hunting season? What, what is that? I have no idea what's going on, right? And so, I'm a city boy. I grew up, really, from kindergarten through college. Kindergarten through college in this small bubble, like, it, it, between two Two blocks and ten blocks. I mean, you don't even know what a city block is. I get it probably. But, but within a five-mile radius, all my, this, is, this is my life. I grew up in a Roman Catholic grade school and high school that were connected. You know, the, my best friends, I, I don't even have to call on the phone. I just walk two blocks and say, oh, Johnny, you know, and, and they come out. And, and, and when you spend the summers, it's like just come in when the streetlights come on. You know, that's your whole job. And that was my life. So I'm a city boy, and, and as I grew up, I grew up in... In, in this house right here, 4178 Neosho, 63116 St. Louis. And I know um, um, that you'd want to know this, so I'm going to tell you, you know, right here in this alley, um, that's really where I learned how to play soccer really well. By myself, I had this rubber soccer ball. I would just kick it up against the, the wall of my house, and that's how I get good with my touches. And my ball was my friend. I did that all the time. And then I'd go play with my friends in that alley. And the, the steps right here, I remember, I helped my dad pour the concrete to those steps. And the door right here, I helped him put that up. The house wasn't gray like that. It was, it was more like the one next door. But that's, that's where I grew up. I mean, that, that was my home from five years old to 21 years old. And my friend down the street had a really good friend. His name was Steve Brooker. I'm Tony Bowes. Steve Brooker. We're always close to each other in yearbooks, right? Like right next to each other, right? I mean, look at that hair. I mean, I, I, I complain about my son, Nate, you know, who's worship-led. I don't know. He looked like me. You know, his hair was like this. Can I can't even see your eyes, Nate. Uh, what am I saying, you know? Uh, that's fifth grade, sixth grade, high school. Steve Brooker, Tony Bowes connected in the yearbooks, connected in life, really. And Steve, if you're watching, God bless you, man. Um, so I, I became a fixture in his home, and he became one in mine. And his home was like the American culture. My home was like the Filipino-American culture, you know. When, when my mom was cooking stinky fried fish, I said, Steve, don't come over. You know, uh, but, but I'd go over to his house, and he reminded me a couple weeks ago. I called him as I was preparing this message. Oh, yeah, you really like my mom's fried potatoes. That's right. We used to trade sandwiches at school. I mean, we just did everything together. But this is the thing. Mr. and Mrs. Brooker, his mom and dad, made me feel at home every time I came over. I had refrigerator rights. You know, just the freedom to at any time I want. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I would just raid the refrigerator. And it was always free to do that in their home. They always made room for me at their table. We spent the night at each other's home, Steve and I did, and I, I, I kind of remember I'm spending the night at his house, and I'm like, huh, I don't think I told my mom and dad I was spending the night. 
And he did the same thing. I don't know if they had a pact, like, oh, if they're just staying together, they just call each other up, you know, as parents. I didn't care. I mean, it was just an endless summer, and we were just enjoying all the summer we could. Mr. and Mrs. Brooker showed so much hospitality to me. And how about you? Has, has anyone ever opened their home to you to make you feel safe and welcome where you could just hang out? And feel welcome. Be, be yourself. I remember thinking when I was over their house, this is what I want it to be like when I'm married someday. And I was thinking about that. You know what? This is what our church should be like too. To be a welcoming place where everybody, like to say there's room for you here. There's room for you here and it's safe. And when you hear challenging words from, from the pastors, right, that yeah, you might, you might squirm a little bit, right? And it's from God's word, but you know that we're challenging you because we care about you. Because we want what God wants for you, the best for your life, but yet you feel safe, secured, and loved. That's what I want our church to be like. When life was hectic uh, for us, when we had six kids all uh, in the house, right? You know, when they, they were just everywhere and the schedule and, and, and things were everywhere and, and soccer games were everywhere and, and, and the work, you know, mission trips, all this stuff, all these schedules. I mean, my wife, God bless her, she ran our home like a well-oiled machine. But we had to have monthly calendar meetings because if we didn't have monthly calendar meetings, everything would go to you-know-what in a handbasket, just boom, right? In that season of life, though, when things were crazy, my wife and I made it a goal to say we're going to block out one time a month where we're not going to do soccer, we're going to do anything we're going to do. What we're going to do is pray about who we can have over from church, from our neighborhood, from wherever, to invite over at our house. And even today, when things are a little slower now because there's only two kids in the home, um, we want... We want people to know there's always room at their table. We want people, especially the friends that my, my, uh, my uh, daughter and my son have, we want them to have refrigerator rights. Right, McGuire Ellinger? Ethan Hale, who spent the night last night, and my friend, Aaron's friend, my friend, huh? She told me I had to pronounce her full name. Veronica Ann Cruz, if you're watching, you have refrigerator rights. There's another guy, too, that goes to our church. I'll use his initials because that's what I call him. He's a cop at Sterling Heights. His name's N.W. in my book. He's like a son to me. And, you know, this past month, he's just been walking in my house when he's doing his rounds. You know, he just walks in. I think he knocks, but I'm not sure. Do you knock, Nate? I don't know. It's just you come over, and, and it's awesome to have people that can just come yeah, I leave my door open all the time. I mean, I don't lock it. We forget to lock it at night, you know, so if you want to steal anything, I don't care. Just come over. <laughs> There's nothing there anyway. Uh, uh, but it's, and it's an awesome thing. So we're in this sermon series called Holy Habits. Holy Habits that, that Change Your Life. I started it off on Ash Wednesday during this season of Lent as we prepare to celebrate his death and his resurrection, Jesus our Savior, right? What kind of habits can we establish to just have a closer walk with Jesus. We talked about praying, right? Reading God's word. We talked about what Sabbath rest is. We talked about last week, simplicity. Pastor Joe did. All these habits. Today's habit is called hospitality. In the Greek, that really means love of strangers. 
And, and just think about this, that God has uniquely placed each and every one of our Christian households exactly where we need to be in this culture, that we would be this welcoming invitation of hospitality to those around us, that we would have this quality or this disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in this warm and this generous and this friendly way. That's hospitality. And did you know that in the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God encourages, more even, God commands us to be hospitable. We're going to read some places of Scripture in that. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, it's written by one of his disciples. You know about Peter, right? You know his characteristics. He's bold, he's brave, he's just out there, but then at the same time he can really mess up, right? Where he's so much so he denies his Lord and Savior. And then after that, Jesus reinstates him while he's writing this letter to Christians, watch this, who are confused, discouraged, and enduring persecution. That's what he's writing this letter to these kinds of Christians who are enduring persecution. And you would think when we read this letter, you know, about these Christians who are being persecuted, you would think Peter would say, okay, just get in your holy huddle, right? Get in your holy huddle and just take care of your families. But he does exactly the opposite. He tells us how to live, live with hospitality. And when I read these words, and when you read these words, when I read them for the first time, preparing for this, I immediately thought of what's going on in the Ukraine. And I thought about the people uh, that are fleeing, the millions of people that are fleeing. A lot of them are going to where? That country in the east, of, of, of the west, sorry, Poland. Right? They're going to Poland, and, and did you hear the stories on the news? Did you hear about this, this little old lady, a grandma, 80 years old, who gave up her, her, her bed for a, a mom and her little child, her infant child? Did you see this picture on the news? All these baby strollers on the train stations, they're just ready to, these Polish mothers are saying, here, take our stroller, I know you're going to come in. I mean, talk about hospitality. It's an awesome thing to see this outpouring of love and compassion by these ordinary people that I'm assuming are Christians, right? Showing kindness and hospitality to those in need. Well, Peter says, guess what? Back in Jesus' day, right after Jesus ascends into heaven and these Christians are living out their faith because they've seen the resurrection. They know the promise. And so Peter writes these words in verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer what? Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do Excuse me, do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and honor and praise. Amen. You see, passages like these are actually all through the scriptures. St. Paul writes about it, John and James, they write about it in their letters, how to live out your Christian faith. And we think about the big ones, the big virtues, you know, have the gift of teaching and prophecy and serving and leading and, and speaking in tongues and worship, all those things. But nestled in all these virtues is actually a call to hospitality. And I think as Christians, we kind of often miss this. And you know what? When's the last time you heard a sermon on hospitality? Not for me. This is my first time giving it. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. St. Paul writes to a, a young pastor, a missionary cohort, basically Titus, a spiritual son in the faith. Chapter 1, verses 7 through 8 of Titus. Since an overseer, and that's the same word for a pastor, since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless. Not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable. One who loves what is good, who's self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Whoa, that's a calling of pastors. Why did I get into this business? Woof, that's a humbling list of qualities. Am I perfect in all those areas? Absolutely not. Does God make me perfect? Absolutely. Does it equip me to do it? I pray it does. And I ask for your prayers too, that you would pray that I have these lists. But in there, right, nestled in there is what? This call to hospitality. Now, I'm pretty sure I told you this story. I'm going to share it again because I think it's a good one. And I don't remember how many years this happened to, to me, but it did. And it was after, it was like 10 o'clock at night here on a Wednesday night. And you know what I do on Wednesday nights here at night, right? I play what? Yeah, so after futsal or soccer. I mean, you didn't say futsal. Are you guys with me? Don't check out because it's not a soccer uh, a story, okay? It starts that way. So one of the guys comes in, you know, hey, Tony. And he just does this, Tony. Is that me? There's a guy out here wanting to talk to you. I'm like, oh, great. 10 o'clock at night, there's a guy out here, you know, and all of a sudden, truth be told, right, I get calloused about when people ask, and are coming for, for needs, right? Because I've been conned before, right? Oh, you know, I know that story. So in my mind already, I'm like, what lie am I going to catch them in, right? So I'm going out there thinking, okay, I already know my standard thought. I got two bags of groceries. I can give them to you now. We have food pantry on Tuesday nights. See you later. Man, that's pretty cold-hearted, right? Yeah, it is. Thank you. But that's, that's, that's what I was thinking, right? I'm like, I'm sweaty, and I'm coming from soccer, and you know, blah, blah, blah. I get out there, and there's like this six-foot-four giant of a man. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What's going on? Oh, no. So he's got this big bag in his hand, you know, and as I get closer, his eyes are bloodshot. And I'm like, oh. I get a little closer. I'm like, whew, smells a little bit. <laughs> so, so I'm talking to him. Hey. You know, what's your story? So he starts to tell me a story that he's here from Pittsburgh and he lost his medication. He's running out. That's why his eyes are bloodshot. I didn't smell any alcohol. Okay. And so he's talking about he got a fight with his, his sister and they're trying to help each other and blah, blah, blah. And I need to get to Pittsburgh. I just need a bus ticket. Oh, well, story's starting to make sense. And then he says, but pastor, I'm a Missouri Synod Lutheran. I'm like, whoa, you know how to say synod right. Anybody who sees that word or says that word, usually it's synod, right? So break it down. Sin, S-Y-N means together or with in the Greek, right? Od means odos, like exodus. So you'll walk together. That's all it means. We walk together in the beliefs and doctrines of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Now you know that Faith Lutheran Church is connected to the Missouri Synod. Aren't you glad you knew that? Um, so anyway, he says, and look, pastor. And he starts to pull this thing out of his bag, and my heart starts to race. Like, oh, is it going to be a knife? Is it a gun? What was he got? 
here's a small catechism. <laughs> he carries around a small catechism around his bag. He said, oh, my goodness, my heart was breaking. And I uh, loved him enough, fought through the smell and the stench to say, come on, you're getting in my car, Big Jim. Big Jim gets in my Chevy Cavalier, and, and we take him to the bus station, and I have... Uh, I guess the compassion, I don't know, more like just being courageous. And I stopped and got him a meal, and I just put my hand on his, on his arm, his big, burly thing, you know, and I just said, let's pray. You know, and I'm praying for him, and he's saying amen, and he says, thank you so much, and, and I, that was it. I never saw him again. And I often wonder this, did God ordain that meeting for my benefit so that my heart would be softer when needy people come to ask for help at church. And our elder Tim is going, uh-huh, that's what, yep, right. I, I heard you, Tim, I heard you. Author of Hebrews says it this way, keep on loving each other as brothers. Don't forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Isn't that awesome? Hospitality. Welcoming strangers, welcoming friends and neighbors. This is one of the holy habits the Lord gives to us for our benefit. I don't know if you've gone to our YouTube station, our channel, you ever see this episode, I'm glad I heard that, Lori Frank with her son Dave Frank. I mean, what a hoot. you got to go watch this. It's about hospitality in our church. And by the way, can we just praise God for Dave and Lori for just making this place so hospitable. You here, Dave, or did you leave? And all, all, all the volunteers, really, all you, you people that are making our hospitality team so great, thank you so much. Uh, but let me ask this question, okay? Why are we to be hospitable? Why, as followers of Jesus, do we act this way? Is it to gain God's approval? Is it to gain God's approval that he won't be angry for our sins? That if we balance out our good works with, with all our wrongs, you know, that's, that's the way, that's the reason? Answer, no. If there's anything that you get out of this message from hospitality today, this is what I hope you remember, that we don't practice hospitality to gain God's love or approval. You know, I think as Christians, we sometimes get this reversed. We, we, we get it messed up, that we're able to earn credit with God or something. And that if we just work hard enough to gain his salvation or his approval, that's not the case. The New Testament doesn't say that. It says just the opposite. That we sometimes get messed up like, you know what, I got to do these things because I got I to be a child of God. The Bible's clear though, time and time again, that salvation is a gift. That we're chosen by God before we were born. That's what we read from Ephesians chapter 1 as our affirmation of faith. 1 Peter 1 says it this way, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. He, that's God, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance where that's imperishable and undefiled and unfading where kept in heaven for you. Praise God, he causes us to do that. He chooses us. Ephesians chapter 2, because of his great love for us, Paul writes, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive. God made us alive. With Christ, even when we were dead spiritually in our sin, it's by grace you've been saved. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It's a work of God, not your work, so that we shouldn't boast about it. 
See, the initiator of our faith, the initiator of our salvation is God himself. The Bible says clearly he's the author. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Praise God. He's adopted us. He's given us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee for what is to come. So a lack of hospitality, a lack of Bible knowledge, a lack of prayer doesn't mean anything. It won't remove you from God's family because he chose you first. Rest in that. Rest in that. Amen? Sermon's not over, but man, I could stop it right there. But because God has done that for us, guess what? We love because he loved us first. And so we have this gift of hospitality that we can talk about. And, and so I was looking at some, some material from Lutheran Hour Ministries, um, uh, which is one of my favorite organizations in our church. They connected with the Barna Group, and they did this study on what it means to have a spiritually vibrant household. A spiritually vibrant household. So no matter if your household was a single parent family, a household or a blended family or a nuclear family, it didn't matter. A spiritually vibrant house had three common characteristics. Didn't matter the makeup or the economic status. Didn't matter. Here's what they had. Number one, you engaged in spiritual behaviors together, such as praying and reading the Bible. Okay, that's good. You participate in spiritual conversations uh, together. But also that third one. You practice hospitality. And that kind of caught me off guard. Like, I, I, I get the, the, the praying part. I, you know, I get, hey, this is a good thing to do with our family, right? This is great to talk about at the dinner table. What's happened, you know? What's the highlight of your life, a low point, whatever. But, but why hospitality? And here's what they said. Faith formation is connected to and increases with hospitality. Households that regularly host non-family guests are more likely to talk about faith, prayer, uh, and, and read the Bible together. You see, there's just something special about hospitality. It's good for both the host and the one being hosted. That you invite them in and see a little glimpse of what a follower of Jesus looks like. I'm going to talk about this later, all, later in the fall. Uh, we're going to have a Bible study together called Spiritually Vibrant Households. But let's think uh, for a minute about those being invited, okay? Oftentimes it's those that we love, right? It's those that, that we have strong ties with. Maybe sometimes it's, it's our neighbor, but, but friendships and, and, and family members certainly. I don't want you to feel guilty, right, that you think that you're somewhat less of a Christian if you don't invite strangers or open your door to people out on the streets. That's not what I'm asking you to do. But in this holy habit, would you pray as, as an individual or as a family uh, who you want to have to invite over as a way where people can see, those who don't follow Jesus, most importantly, that they could let their guards down, right? That we share a drink together, that we share a meal together, that we just put our feet up, right? Um, I like to sit on the floor when people come over. I mean, it's, it, that's why I just sit on the floor and my shoes are off and, 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 and let's just talk. Hospitality. It's really been a mark of Christianity from the very beginning. Acts chapter 2, verses 43 and 47. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they met. In the temple courts, they, they broke bread in their homes. They ate together, they, and they had glad and sincere hearts praising God. And then in the end, it, it, I didn't have this part, but, but what happened as a result of that? The Lord was increasing his number for those in his kingdom. 
the Lord would increase his number through this ministry of hospitality. As Jesus finishes his ministry on earth, right, he returns to heaven. The disciples go about doing this. And in the culture of, of Jesus' day, actually in, the, in, in that culture, poorer people would go from town to town, right, these preachers, these pastors, and they would look for people of peace. They would look for people, and it was almost mandatory, if you're a Christian or not a Christian, open up your home and to be hospitable. They, they just, they did that. This culture in our day, having hospitality is just as important as in Jesus' day. Because, believe it or not, you would believe it, right? Our culture is growing more and more isolated every day. We have our garage door clickers. We go, right? right in the house, close the garage, and we never see our neighbor. I mean, if I asked you to raise your hand, don't, but could you name your names of your neighbors, you know, three houses down, four houses down, what are their names? Do you pray for them? You know, our culture is being so isolated, not just because of COVID and quarantine, it's way before that that our culture has been growing this way, and hospitality is God's remedy for this, that we would be little hospitals, right? That people could experience healing in our home. People could experience Jesus in our home, and we invite, and we welcome, and we gather. We cook, we pray, we play, right? I'm going to close with two opportunities to extend some hospitality uh, in our community and also in the world. The first one is this. On Wednesday, if you go to your church uh, center app even now. On Wednesday, I'm going to have a um, representative from Samaritas. Used to be uh, Lutheran Social Services of Michigan. She's going to be here. Her name is Pam Four, uh, and she's going to explain to us how we can show hospitality. I don't know if you're aware of this. There's 300 refugee families. You remember when I told you the story about going to Fort Pickett? Uh, some of those Afghan families have now arrived to Detroit. Um, in that area, they're staying in a hotel and they're waiting. Like, they're staying in a hotel right now. They're waiting to be housed somewhere, mostly on the west side, but there are some families that are coming here and close to our area. And so would you be willing just to hear uh, from her? Also, here's my idea, okay? I already have a test group, so myself and three other people, three other families, my wife uh, is going to join me. Um, we're going to get together and we're going to adopt one Afghan family. And the, the lady told me, Tony, I got just a family for you. They live in Hamtramck, and they have six kids, and the 11-year-old boy played for the Afghan national soccer team. That's it. No problem. I'm in. And so it's just a matter of, so what does that mean? If four of us families or four individuals from faith adopt one family, we get to see them once a month. That's it. Once a month. What do you do? They'll tell you what to do. Basically, it's just being, right? You eat their food. You, you bring food over. Maybe you can help shop. Maybe you can help read English to them. Maybe help them with ESL or study with the kids. Whatever it is, you're not obligated to do anything, but I'd love for you to come to this meeting. If you can't make it this Wednesday at church, I forgot what room it is. You can look it up. There, we'll also try to have a Zoom. It gives you two options, and you can just Zoom in, and, and we can uh, um, show hospitality to those Afghan refugees that have fled from Afghanistan. The second one is this. Uh, we're going to take a, a door offering. It's okay if you don't have cash with you, but in the lobby, in the back, in the lobby in the back, there are going to be members of our hospitality team there to do that. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to partner with Lutheran World Relief. And with Lutheran World Relief, we're going to do a couple of these things. We're going to help with food, shelter, and emergency funds for refugees. The 
millions that have fled. We're working with our Polish Lutheran Church through Lutheran World Relief. Uh, we're going to give kits to families. We're going to give medicine and supplies and really help uh, some of our Lutheran pastors in, in Poland to help those Ukrainian refugees. Isn't that awesome? Two opportunities for you to do one locally, Afghanistan, one in the Ukraine. I pray that you would continue through this Lenten season as we approach our celebrating uh, some of these holy habits that, that we're teaching from the pulpit here, okay? We get to celebrate Holy Communion. Before we do that, uh, we have a time of confessing, hey God, sometimes I'm not really a hospitable person, right? Sometimes God, I have in thought, word, and deed failed to do what you've told me to do. Uh, and so we're going to have those times. But here's, what, here's something different, okay, that I'm going to ask you to do. I don't know where you are in your journey in life, but I'm going to have some prayer people up here along with me. We're just going to kind of be here. I'm going to invite you even now to take your elements. You can come down in the front with your elements. Don't open them until after I say take, eat, and take, drink, right? But, but if you have a prayer need, so I'm inviting Robert and Matt, and I forgot who else I, I said. We're going to be here. And if you, if you want to be one-on-one -on -one time with, with the Lord, that's fine. We won't bug you. But if you want prayer, all you got to do is just this. And we'll come, lay hands on you. You can just say, hey, what can we pray for? And we'll just pray with you. Okay, so please. I want, look, I'm sitting down, right? Church is home, right? Just feel free to come down. Feel comfortable. If you have a prayer need, we want to pray for you. Okay? Let's not make it such a, a big deal. So, Matt, come on up. Come on up. And did I just ask Robert and Matt? Did I ask anybody else? I forgot. Anybody. All right. So you take your elements, you come down, and, and, and you just, after communion, we'll pray for you, give you a blessing, whatever, whatever you need, okay? So let's have some time now, all right, some moments of confession. Father, thank you for your words that penetrate our hearts. They're living and active. We're all in a different journey in our walk with you. But I pray, God, that as we listen to your word, you would help us to confess where we've fallen, where we need you. Please help us, Lord. And God, as we make that confession of faith, faith that we are sinners. Please help us know how you've called us to be saints. You've made us holy. You say when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive. So I pray that not only myself, but all these people in this place would hear, Jesus, your words, that our sins have been forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Jesus says this then, you're welcome at his table. His outstretched arms to die on the cross for you, you're welcome at his table.